But one of the advantages of uh, broadcasting temporarily from Teaneck, New Jersey, is that we uh, stumble upon some amazing personalities uh, just during the course of the day. And uh, through that <laughs> through that system, we discovered last week that our Kenneth Brander, is, uh, who's the president of Rosh Yeshiva of Artura Stone, uh, is here in the New Jersey area a short trip before he heads back for the Yom Noraim for the high holidays to Israel. And uh, once that was discovered, I said it would am- be amazing to do this interview, this conversation live and in person. And he is, in fact, in what we call our makeshift temporary studio here in Teaneck, New Jersey. Rabbi Brander, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. It's always a pleasure to be with you in your luxurious studio <laughs> here in Teaneck, New Jersey. It's funny you said that this would be worth about a million dollars in Yerushalayim. Yes. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even a joke. <laughs> Baruch Hashem. What can I tell you? What does that say about the state of world jury, or specifically the state of jury for our brothers and sisters in Israel? You can't go to any major, sort of like the United States right now, you can't go to any major city in Israel without spending enormous sums of money to be in prime areas. Well, I think that it just first it states that Yerushalayim is the prime area. Um, and I think what you're seeing is more and more young people and not so young people are just moving to what used to be called the periphery. I mean, all of the South is growing leaps and bounds. And now with these bullet trains right. where, you know, from uh, Kiryat Malachi or from other areas, you can make it to Tel Aviv in a short period of time. And then from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem is like a 40-minute, it's faster to go into these trains than it is to drive. I can't even tell you, because I can't remember, the name of the city up north that my nephew is living in now. In one of these remote areas, a few Kolel families went and obviously are paying a third of the price of what they would pay for a place, you know, in, in, in areas that are more desirable until now. And uh, and they're pioneers. They're pioneers who are uh, you know building more areas of Israel, and it's just that's an amazing byproduct of this whole thing. Right. Especially in the north, where you have uh, demographic issues. Right. Um, everyone's welcome, but you still have demographic issues. So, for example, we have a yeshiva has there in Carmiel and a midrashah in Carmiel, and now the next step is we're building a student village, where we have young couples who are living there, uh, going to university mainly in Sfat and other places and also giving back to the community and starting their families. How many will continue to live there? How many won't? Is We just started this three months ago. Yeah, well, it's a beloved area. Yeah. I could see people staying up there. And for those who don't know, it's really up north. And I remember when, if you go into Carmiel 20 years ago, you really were a pioneer. Now it's uh, it's a built-up right. area. The goal is to make all of, uh, yeah, all of Israel. Israel that way. Who thought in our lifetime we would see this? It's just amazing. Right. It's beautiful and amazing. Now, how many? How long have you been president of Rosh Hashiva of Ortara Stone? Uh, it's a little bit more than four years. Now, I'm asking it in that way because you were involved here in the United States in some enormous institutions, both educational institutions and synagogues, New York, Florida, that you were always surrounded by enormity. I think you'd agree with that. At what point during your stint at Ortara Stone did you realize how enormous a project this is? Well, I'm not sure I yet realize how enormous a project, uh, you know, a project it is because you can get phone calls, especially now era of elections. It's era of Yom Hadin and a whole bunch of different levels. In Meaning Israel. elections in Israel. Yes, era of elections in Israel, um, where you start getting phone calls from very political, you know, politicians about 
you know, will you sign their documents or will you this, will you that? And it has they want your to, endorsement. Right. It has nothing to do with me. It just happens to have everything to do with the institution that I have a connection with. I don't believe, as I followed the paradigm in America, I don't believe that rabbis should be signing documents of that nature. Not against anyone who does. I'm just not comfortable right. with it. Um, but uh, I also see the fact that you could have 5,000 students and it's such a blessing. So I, I get back to Israel, Be'ezrat Hashem, tomorrow. On Thursday, I give Shir Klali in one place. And right after Rosh Hashanah, Shir Klali in another place. It's just a privilege. It's a privilege and an honor to work and engage with students. And uh, perhaps more importantly, uh, the colleagues that I have, um, not only throughout Israel, but we have th almost 300 shlichim around the world. And those that work with those shlichim and the ability to engage with shlichim around the world, from Teaneck to Tallinn, Estonia, is amazing. I, I wanted to ask you this, and, and frankly, you know, being here face to face sometimes affords a, a deeper conversation, um, the opportunity for a deeper conversation. The the um, the shlichim that are around the world in all these cities, and I can name some of them for everybody to give everyone a perspective. Um, are are these people who are natives to those countries who are then trained? Buy people from Artura Stone and you know and and build up their uh, their own careers within the communities they grew up in. Are these people who are in Israel being uh, educated at Artura Stone and they decide, you know what, I'm going to go to uh, China or I'm going to go to Italy or I'm going to go to Scotland or or uh, you know all the other places in between. Again, there's a whole list of them. Uh, wh which is it? Which which dominates? Which category dominates the shlichim around the world? Well, there's both. But I think the primary group are people who were educated, for the most part, in Israel um, and have a calling to go on shlichut. Um, and so we sent out this year, for example, 25 couples all around the, all around the globe. So there's uh, one in Hong Kong. Right. There's one, in, one just went to Princeton uh, working with the OU, our joint effort with them when, we're, when it's possible and it works for everyone. JLIC, so he'll be the couple in Princeton, but he's Anglo. In other words, his English is, is perfect. His wife's, is, I'm sure, will be well, perfect. Well, she'll get there, yeah. Right? But um, they grew up in Israel, but they have roots. You know, their family have roots in the United States. But then there are, f couple, then there are communities, for example, in Zurich or other places where the community said, listen, we, there's a dearth of leadership here. We need to be forward-thinking Let's send a young, talented person to Israel, learn at Ortura Stone, get smicha from Ortura right. Stone, and spend five, six years. We'll pay for them. Then, but tonight, on the condition that they come back. That's a classic model of the yes. Jewish world, right? Yeah, that, that's from decades and centuries yeah, ago, right? Yeah, that's more a European right. paradigm. Um, but just to hone the point, we sent out 25 couples I mentioned. We had 160 requests for shlichut. Okay, what motivates them? I, I, sometimes it's hard for me to understand why a young couple wants to go to Hong Kong or any other areas that are on this list. What motivates them? So we actually just did a study because we want to increase the amount of shlichim that we sent. So we interviewed, a professional company interviewed uh, 40,000 uh, young people. That means, you know, younger than you and I. <laughs> um, you know, in their 20s and 30s. Right. If sh in the religious science community, shlichut is important. And the vast majority of them said that shlichut is a tenant of what it means to be not just a religious Zionist, but what it means to be a Zionist, to, be, to care for Jews around the world. Um, I think our challenge is that as Israel is paying more substantial salaries 
than it did in the past, especially in the startup world um, and in the, you know, the all the various new companies. The tech space. Tech, yeah. And the fact that even the educational centers are paying more money, we have to make it still financially uh, viable, not just attractive, but viable for Shlichut. So while we know that it is still viewed as a value, if I want to increase Be'ezrat Hashem in the next five years from going to sending 25 couples to sending 50 couples a year, we have to figure out a way to be able to bring other energies to the table. What's also very interesting is that the vast majority of those who do shlichut, when they return, the vast majority of them go into Jewish communal work, which means they're bringing, I think, very positively, a different outlook that they learned, whether it's in Toronto right. or somewhere else. Like We have somebody who works in the provost office who spent time in Toronto in, in, the, in the day school there under Rabbi Gower, under Rabbi Grauer. It, it's just... Um, Amazing the energies that he brought back just from those experiences, those few years. I think it was there four or five years. So these shlichim are not just educators; they are also representing well and yeah. rabbis, right. but they are also including the Israel piece in their shlichut. Yes, I think that's a very important component. Their goal is not to uh, be agents of nefesh benefesh. Right, understood. Uh, that, I don't think but they're not ignoring understand. the fact yeah, they're that not ignoring that how wonderful it is to live in Israel that the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel. Yes, we we try to I try to make sure they understand that if they if they stand on that if they stand on that podium it's the best way not to be successful. Um, I saw with my own children when we were in Boca Raton and we had shlichim right. the ones who who did not preach Zionism but lived it right. through their experiences. Right actually motivated my children, I believe, on some right. level, because many of my children made Aliyah before we did, um, to make Aliyah. And I think that they get credit for that or part of the journey for right. that. So I think that as long as our shlichim understand that their job is to represent Torah Yisrael, Torah Medina Yisrael, without stuffing it down, right. but engaging we're sincere about our Judaism, yeah. we're sincere right. about our Torah, we're sincere right. about Israel, and right. we live that way, and we're not at forcing anybody to exactly. do anything. And they've all served, in the, at least the men have all served in the ITF. Right, so that that's also a, a component. Right. They walk in as Jewish heroes. Right. And kids love to hear those right. stories, right. etc. Yeah, There's a lot of components right. to this. <laughs> By Dr. Kenneth Brander is here, president of Rosh Yeshiva at Oratorah Stone. Uh, their imprint around the world is amazing. It's not just Israel where the, the imprint is quite significant, to say the least. Uh, you've described on the air how your, uh, uh, your students and those who are um, uh, graduates uh, are, uh, in, in fact, interacting with uh, members of the IDF on IDF bases and are participating in community centers constantly. And uh, around Yontif time, Actually, around Rosh Hashanah time, right. you you incorporated Rosh is a big time. Yeah, you incorporated a lot of initiatives. Are those still five, going on? Yeah, we have five hundred and fifty locations in parks. Five hundred and fifty locations in Israel. In Israel, in parks. What happens in Israel, these parks? We do what's called shofar park, that we will blow shofar and have a mini service uh, for people who don't feel connected to shuls, um, and in partnership with Sohar, because we couldn't staff five hundred and fifty locations alone. We will have places all over Israel from the tippy north to the bottom of the south and everywhere in between where there'll be these parks and you can go online, Shofar Park, and you'll find out where your place is um, and you'll hear a chauffeur blast. Kids will get candy. There's a little 
handout that everybody gets about uh, Rosh Hashanah and Kiat Shofar and everything it represents. Um, and we'll interact with 50,000 Israelis on Rosh Hashanah. And sometimes we even have the pictures to prove it because they're taking pictures. They're taking <laughs> they're pictures. Snapping away. <laughs> they're taking pictures uh, you can't help Kiat Shofar and Rosh Hashanah. It's, that's what it is. But um, then on Yom Kippur, we'll have also... Uh, programs both in shuls, like explanatory right. services, as well as in parks. I would think more are inclined to go to Shul Yom Kippur and actually be yeah, there. The, so. the, I think there is a group. Well, it, the interesting thing is, you know, the major highways in Israel, you could literally put a bed, you know, in the middle of the Highway 1, and you probably wouldn't have to move it right. more than once or twice throughout Yom Kippur. Um, you know, people really stop. It's, you know, the joke in Israel is called the the holiday of bicycles, because if you're going to, if you're not going to be in shul, you're not going to drive, but you'll use your bicycle. Right. So I think that a lot of people come early and come towards Ni'ilah, either called Nidre or Ni'ilah, but even those want some type of, and thank God, want some type of explanatory uh, tefillah that's oriented toward them. I think that in Israel, it's hard, I don't like use the word chiloni, secular Israelis, I haven't found a secular Israeli because you could have someone driving on Shabbos his cab, but there'll be a street minion, especially during COVID. They'll row down the window and their air kiss the Torah. So I don't know. Is that person considered religious, not religious? Right. I'm not going to put them in a, in a box that they're not observant when they're willing to do something like that. I think there's a special energy that exists in Israel where 99% of males that are born have a bris and and so many, you know, in the 90% plus observe some type of Yom Kippur experience, some type of Shabbos experience. And Pesach, we know, the Pesach. So I think that they're just looking for a non-coercive place. So the Jewish community centers, what we call Matnasim, are those places, and our hope is that we give them spiritual wings. So we have bar and bat mitzvah programs. We have all different types of programs throughout the year. And at this point, the government estimates that we're interacting with around 300,000 not formally observant Israelis uh, throughout the year. Pretty amazing. Rabbi Dr. Kenneth Brander is here. Go to ots.org.il for information, OTS. .org.il, and you could support the amazing uh, institution there as well. All right, let's go through some of the things that are happening now. Um, uh, we are up to six high schools under the Art Torah Stone uh, uh, umbrella, if you will. Are these all over Israel? Are these in a specific area? They're at Jerusalem and the Gush Etzion region. Um, there are many requests for more high schools for us to start. We have to, you know, we have to evaluate, uh, be strategic in our goals. I think that in the post-high school educational realm, there's more need um, and less people who can do it. There are plenty of competent organizations that can do high schools. So we have to make a decision if we're going to open more high schools. There are requests. And in the issue of Aguna advocacy and outreach and shlichut conversion issues, I think there's there's a desperate need. and um, Meaning there's not enough staff who are educated in these areas. And for example, in the halachic prenup, that is a Given the halachic prenup that is a given in uh, in the United States, yeah, almost an automatic a, in many places. Yeah, right? it's not a given in Israel. So we opened a website that has over a million visitors now, um, but it's the first time there's a website like that. We just create. We just worked 
in the Knesset, we have a woman who serves as not only a halachic expert, but as an advocate in the Knesset, that we passed a law, or the Knesset passed a law with our help, that if somebody who won't give his wife a get um, comes to Israel, is not an Israeli citizen, since Israel has a responsibility of protecting Jews around the world, if it's a reputable based in that has a you know, Jewish court that has said that he needs to give a get, the Israeli government can seize his passport. Wow. His foreign passport. That is law now. That's law now. We'll see how long it lasts, but it's law now. And, you know, we're trying to do things of that nature. And there's only a limited amount of brain space that anyone has or any organization has. And the fact that we are dealing with, for the first time, halachic issues that for 2,000 years were dormant. Forget about the politics. We obviously are concerned about security. We have 550 young people, students in the Army right now as you and I speak. Right. We've unfortunately lost students to acts of terror. No one wants to be soft on security. But what does Halacha say when you are the sovereign in the state of Israel, which we haven't been for 2,000 years? What does Halacha say about how do you deal with minorities? How does Halacha look at other faith systems? How does Halacha look at non-Jews who live in the state of Israel? When you are the sovereigns, there aren't far. You can walk into any Sfarim store and buy a safer on, on the laws of Shemitah or the laws of army or the laws of Shabbat and, and the state. But there isn't one safer on these issues. So we are now, we have a kollel run by Rabbi Yaakov Nagin, Rabbi Yaakov Genak when he was, before he made Aliyah. <laughs> um, and he is with his uh, team of scholars of Tamidei and Tamidot Chachamim are really putting together these halachas for the first time. I think that that really is a responsibility of Torah Zionism to deal with contemporary issues that, again, the last person to write on it was Rav Herzog as a chief rabbi. He wrote 60 pages of tshuvas on it, but no one else has written on it. It's called Ushmo Echad, Ripui HaKesher Ben Yisrael V'Datot HaOlam, and it's written by three of your uh, kolel emissaries, as you said. And uh, this will, this safer will be translated into English. Yes. Timetable on that? This year, by next circus. Pretty next amazing, circus. because I can imagine how many people, our English speakers, are curious to read about it and to see these chuvas. And as you said, the, some of these, uh, uh, some of the research went back quite a while, quite a long time, to an era when one can address when Israel was, in fact, a sovereign state. Right. It, it's, it's being a halakhic archaeologist. Right. Um, and... Um, <laughs> And also positing positions, and maybe some will agree with and some won't, but that's okay. It's about beginning the conversation. Torah is about the eternality of Torah, and this celebrates that idea. Pretty amazing. Uh, we, so the men's programs and the women's programs, the Aguna advocacy, uh, the conversion uh, piece, uh, which is so important. And in fact, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that you could use more people in that area who, are, you know, who will become experts in the area of conversion. Uh, the emissaries and shlichut, the inclusion p- uh, part. Uh, this is something that uh, we've it's only it's we've so only d- uh, found this out in the last couple of years uh, with Darkenu. Uh, you have uh, made sure to open up classes for those with special needs, and this also includes people from outside of Israel, right? Right. Darkenu is our program. The Bratsky Darkenu program is only for people who come from outside of Israel. So young men and young women, primarily from North America, but from all over the world who after 12th grade want to have the same experience as their friends so they can come to us. Um, we have the women's program is at Madrasha Lindenbaum. The men's program is 
we run it at Yeshivat Haaretzion. It's our program, but we need it in a place that has Americans also because of the schedule and the calendar. So we run these programs. We have anywhere between 24 and 30 young men and young women who participate. And most recently, we had an, an orphan uh, from Ukraine who Chabad had taken out of Ukraine, amazingly, uh, three days in a train with bombs you know, all around them. And, and this young lady came to Israel, and the Israeli government was looking for a place for her. She doesn't speak any Hebrew. She speaks English, Russian, and Ukrainian. So there's only one program that helps special... She has special, special needs. needs. There's only one program like that. So they called us up, and they said, listen, we need you to take her. So obviously, without, you know... That was a yes from uh, yeah, from the start. But it's an amazing program, and it's inspiring to watch these young people overcome uh, challenges. But really, I think it's even more than that. It's it's watching their courage, and it's a privilege, again, to spend time with them. They actually asked me if I would uh, run, in quotes, the Jerusalem Marathon with them. <laughs> so I figured that it would be extremely embarrassing if I... If I would say no, so uh, together we did, uh, we walked uh, 10K of the uh, Jerusalem Marathon. And it went all right? Uh, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> so that's the best that's definition. The <laughs> it went fine. So, so, so it was great, and I had a great time with them. So <laughs> it was good. Uh, pretty amazing. And uh, information about all of this, you can go to OTS.org.il, because I'm sure there are parents listening right now of special needs youngsters who would like them to have a post 12th grade We would experience. love to have them with and us. And they're independent. They are the, independent. I mean, I, I, they can, any, you know, the, the special needs community, they should live and be well, and they should only have nachas from all their children and grandchildren. But the bottom, they all know each other. And I think that whether you're in the Haredi community or very modern community, Darkenu is your address. And they'll, they speak to each other and they'll, and, and they'll hear from their friends how inspiring amazing transformative Darkenu is and with the help of some very serious donors in israel it's in and especially in america we've actually taken some of these ideas into israel so for example you wow. have special needs kids in israel kids on the autism spectrum and others that until now like there wasn't a place for them after 12th grade in the army or something like that which is a good social equalizer so we worked out with the Army that these young people actually are good at other skills, dog training, other things of that nature. And the Army said to us, you train them in high school, and if they have the competency based on their grades, we will let them go into the OKETS unit, which is a commando unit, to train the dogs in the OKETS unit. So now all of a sudden you have kids who have special needs. who are, who are They're really doing this gifted. already. They just started. We, we just graduated the first class. It's only one or two. But they're wearing the same uniform as a commando is wearing. And, um, and they walk you know, the streets with and it. And they walk the streets <laughs> with it. And all of a sudden, they're, they're part of the... They're not outsiders. And, and it's really due to one particular person, who I'm not going to mention his name on, on the radio or on the, on the Nachum Siegel Network, which is not just a radio, but I listen to it all the time in Israel. Thank you. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's, tr it's transformational. Unbelievable. Uh, so it sounds like 5782 is a good year for our tourists. Baruch Hashem, Yom Yom. And okay. as we look to the future, what can you tell us in general about Israeli society? <coughs> we, uh, we read about and we are concerned about the... Uh, 
relationship of different groups in Israel. I would hope that that's improving. I don't know if from your vantage point if it is. Uh, we also, frankly, um, are, are concerned um, about the level of poverty in Israel. Uh, there are, um, you know, clusters of society that are not concentrating on, you know, the importance of employment. Um, I'm saying this as sensitive, sensitively as I can, but it sounds like you have some of the answers to that. Well, I think we all have some of the answers to that. And also I think um, the greatness of Israel is that there are people from other lands who bring other experiences. Mm. But I, I see a few things. One is listen, we have to have a strong security. All our children serve in the IDF. It's part and parcel of what it means to live in the state of Israel. You know, when a child is born in, in Israel and the mother's at the bris, you know, they they know that they have their child until the child's 18. Right. Or if they're sitting and learning until they're 19 or something right. like that, 20. Um, and it's not it's not something that's lost on a parent or a grandparent, that they're, they're years up to a certain age. They're not years la'olam vayad. Um, but I think that right now our biggest challenge is that we don't know how to live together. I'm not talking about Jew and Arab, although that's an issue also. I'm talking about Jew and Jew. And we have to we have to figure that out better. The Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because of Sinat Chinam, um, and you can still see the ashes from the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. And in the same location, you know, 50 feet from there, you can see people doing the same type of activities that caused the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash on both sides of the spectrum. Right. It's not a one-sided paradigm. And I think we have to work to train our young people to understand the complexity and the nuance of the issues. Although some from generations ago might argue that um, the animosity has toned down, that there that there's more of a potential for Jew and Jew to get along than there was. And that's obviously you know a positive aspect. I, I think that that's true. I think there's the mainstream wants there to be the center wants there to be uh, harmony right. and engagement, and I think there's more and more of that. People are not living segmented lives. You know, there's a religious Zionist party, but I th again, I'm not, I don't know politics, but I assume that a large part of the religious Zionist um, population will not vote for a religious Zionist party. They right. will vote for the party they think does better. And by the way, that's not just true in the religious Zionist mm -hmm. party. It's true in the Haredi world also. It's why the mayor of Beit Shemesh is the mayor of Beit Shemesh. Right. She became the mayor because the Haredi communities didn't vote for the Haredi candidate. Right. That's, or, or they, they felt just, it was in their best interest. Right, not they felt it was not to. Right. So the bottom line is, I think there's a lot of positive energy. I think we have to do more to teach our young people, that it's not our way or the highway, but Yadus supports the idea that you can have multiple portals of spiritual entry and you never know where it takes people, but you have to make sure that we treat people with respect and decency. To me, that's one of the biggest dangers in Medina Israel, but please, God, we will overcome that. We're way over time, which is not unusual for when you visit us, uh, but I have to ask you, um, I don't know where I, what I did with it, but there's a, uh, oh, here it is. There's a pamphlet that came out, which includes uh, many wonderful articles, including uh, a, a couple written, one by you and one by Robert Riskin. Um, and the title it just intrigued me. I haven't read it yet because I literally opened it this morning. 
God not only loves us, he needs us. Why not wrap up this conversation with a Rosh Hashanah message explaining why, in fact, you believe that God needs us? Well, first of all, it's not I believe it. It's a, <laughs> it's a message. But not a new course, concept. It's not huh? a new concept. It's not a new concept. First of all, there's the idea in the Gemara Megillah, Shechinta Begaluta, that Akash Baruch who escorted us into the Gullus. Um, it really is a celebration of what Shabbos is all about. Anyone who wants to read the Zmiros of the Arizal or anyone else can can see that that's the highlights. That highlights the point. Rev Cook, but I'll just summarize sure. it in twenty uh, soundbite <laughs> seconds. And that is Rev Cook in a article he has called Hishtamut Ushleimut or Shnei Erchei Shleimut, the two paradigms of wholeness, says. And it's not just Rev Cook, but we'll just quote Rev Cook for this. Says the Magad of Mezrich and others say it. That that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is whole. There's no there's no being like Hakadosh Baruch Hu. He's shalem. But if Hakadosh Baruch Hu cannot grow, then is that a a, a pagam? Is that a, a state of compromise in his wholeness? So Rav Cook says, Yeah, Hakadosh Baruch Hu is always in a state of growth. So how can Hakadosh Baruch Hu? How can God be in a state of growth? Because yeah. there's a piece of God in each and every one of us. And as we grow and as we develop, that piece of God is also growing. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's Hishtalmut Ushlemut. There's wholeness, Shlemut, and there's Hishtalmut, and there's a continued growth. HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs us as his ambassadors in the world. And that's why Sukkot is the final leg of the, of the Yomim Narayim. There's Rosh Hashanah, the coronation. There's Yom Kippurim, in which, as the Kabbalists say, we want it to be like Yom, a day like Kippurim, right. that we remove masks, we remove barriers. We try to create this romantic rendezvous with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then there is the Zman Simchatenu, in which we walk into the Sukkah. And once we walk into the Sukkah, not before that, the Sukkah becomes a holy place because we endow it with holiness. If we build a sukkah and we and we put schach and there's no holiness to the sukkah if we didn't walk into it throughout the chag. But the minute a Jew walks into the sukkah, he's making a statement that there's a an abode for God and the Jew because God needs us to be his emissaries in the world to do goodness. And God continues to borrow the message of Rav Kook. God continues and quotes Kavyachol to grow. Mm-hmm through the holy work that people like you do, Nachum, and others in transforming the world. So we us. have a very important partner embedded in us. Yes. I mean, Salam Kim, right? Yes, we have an important partner is. embedded in us. The better we do and the better we behave, right? The year starts Sunday night. We all right. wonder about our behavior in the coming year. The better we behave, the better it is for God. Simple yes. as that. And for all of humanity. And for all of humanity. Uh, information about all of this, uh, the Art Torah Stone, uh, uh, incredible network of institutions and programs, ots.org.il. It's Rosh Hashanah time. Sunday night, the new year begins. A good time to support an amazing institution like Art Torah Stone. You can do so on that page, ots.org.il, ots.org.il. Of course, I will ask you, uh, and I'm sure you uh, you consider it an obligation to extend our best wishes to Rabbi Riskin when you see him. Of course, him, of course. To wish him to him and his entire family and to you the same and a happy, healthy, and sweet new year. And it's it's wonderful to feature your incredible work on this show. To you, to your family, to your newest addition, to your grandchild. Thank you. Bezat Hashem. And uh, please, God, this will be a year for the Nachum Siegel Network to rebuild but from my perspective, as somebody who listens to you from Jerusalem, 
um, the energy that you continue to resonate and radiate. Uh, it doesn't matter how big the studio <laughs> is. Uh, we feel the warmth and we are inspired and educated through your work. Thank I you, greatly Dan. appreciate that. We should all have a great 5783. Tough Shin Pei Gimel. Uh, Rabbi Dr. Kenneth Brander, uh, always a delight to speak with him. Go to OTS.org.il. We wish everybody at Oratora Stone a happy, healthy, and sweet new year. More coming up. It's Tuesday at JM in the AM.